you, Sharon, for reading that story. And if you don't have a Bible yet, maybe go grab one or send somebody to look for one because we're going to be talking about the book of Acts today. And I want to start by saying that I think we're living in an in-between time right now. Does it feel like that to you? An in-between time could simply be a space where you felt like you left something familiar and stable, but you haven't quite arrived at this new destination yet. In-between times can be really tough, can't they? They're full of uncertainty about what the future might hold. And some of us maybe wish we could fast forward through the in-between time and get to the part of the story where we arrive at our destination and things are a little more stable and a little more certain. But we can't. We can't fast forward. We can't skip over the in-between time. We have to live as best we can in a time when we're not sure what's going to happen next. Few people expected the circumstances that we're facing and the challenges that we're facing right now, and nobody really knows exactly what's going to happen next. And so how do we as Christians live in the midst of this in-between time? Well, the Bible is full of in-between times, times when God asked people to leave their homes and go to a new land, times when God led people out of bad situations and into better situations, times when God's people were wandering around in the desert, unsure of what they were going to do even the next week, times when God's people were forced from their home and taken to a totally foreign place, times when they came back from that foreign place and to their homeland and found that it didn't look anything like they remembered. And the list goes on. The Bible is full of stories of people being in in in-between places. The big God story uses these in-between times to teach us how God wants to shape us in the in-between times. So even when we feel like we'd like to fast forward, we have to remember that God can use these in-between times to shape us and help us become the people that God wants us to be. So I want to ask some core questions today about living in this in-between time and asking, where is God present in our everyday life right now? For you, where where do you sense God being present in your everyday life right now? And how do you think God might be inviting all of us or you as an individual to be um, part of what God's doing in the midst of this pandemic? So where is God present and, and where is God inviting us to join the work that God's doing in the midst of this pandemic? These are the the core questions I wanna keep in front of us this morning. We're going to start our conversation about the book of Acts today. We've been reading through the New Testament as a church, and now we're on to Acts. So there's a reading plan available online if you'd like to join us or continue with us. But here are a few things that you need to know about the book of Acts as we begin reading it. First, it's written by a person named Luke. And Luke is also the author of the Gospel of Luke. And Luke Acts is a two-part series that are intended to be read together. So it's really important to know that. Where Luke leaves off in the Gospel of Luke, he picks up in the book of Acts. It's the story of how the Holy Spirit led the earliest Christians to live out their faith in Jesus and to form the church. It's also the story of how the Holy Spirit led the Apostle Paul, who used to be called Saul, to go on church planting missions and share the gospel beyond the Jewish community and help new churches get started around the region. It's sometimes referred to as the Acts of the Apostles. You might read the title and go, Acts, Acts, who's acting? 
Sometimes people call it the Acts of the Apostles, um, but I think it's better to understand it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit because it's really God's Spirit that is leading all the way through the book. And as you read it, you'll notice this. There's no way the disciples would have been able to do half of the things that they did without the leadership and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. So as we approach it, let's think of it as the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And finally, on the BibleProject.com, they have a bunch of great videos on the Luke Acts series. So if you go to that website, you'll find four videos on the Book of Acts that are about seven minutes each. So if you want to dig in and get a better framework for the overall scope of the book, that's a really good way to do it in a pretty short period of time. So today we're going to look at the very beginning of the first chapter of Acts. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. At the end of Luke, Jesus appears to the disciples after he has been resurrected, and he helps them understand by explaining some of the scriptures why he had to suffer and die and come back to life. And he tells them in the, at the end of Luke to wait in Jerusalem for the gift that his father has promised them. And then he ascends into heaven, as we heard in the Jesus Storybook Bible. So the disciples have to be asking at this moment, right, what, what do we do now? This is so bizarre. What are we supposed to do now? They're dealing at the same time with this fear that they might be arrested or attacked because they were associated with Jesus and Jesus got arrested and killed. Um, they knew that it was risky to stay in Jerusalem. That's what Jesus asked them to do. Um, they may have also just been wondering what they could be doing ministry-wise. What does this look like now that Jesus has risen from the dead? So they were in this very uncertain space that we could call an in-between time. So let's look at Acts chapter 1. I'll read you the first 11 verses. It says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you going at this time to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. After he had said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So a couple of, of quick points about this passage. First, it's written to a person named Theophilus, which in Greek, the name itself means someone who loves God, a lover of God. So we don't know if that's an actual person or just anybody who loves God who wants to know more about Jesus' story and the story of the early church. Secondly, it says that many convincing proofs were given over a period of 40 days. 
40 days is a symbol in the Bible for some season, a period of time, a healthy, long period of time, that Jesus gave a bunch of evidence that he was actually alive. He was really concerned that they wouldn't just think of him as a ghost or they saw him one time and then later they might feel like they didn't see him and they were uncertain if he had really risen. He spent a long time with them and he appeared to them many times and he even sat and ate with them so that they could be sure without a doubt that he was resurrected from the dead. And then when he speaks to them in this passage, he repeats the same thing that Luke has him saying at the end of his Gospel of Luke, which means it's really, really important to Luke that we connect the dots between the end of the Gospel and the beginning of this book. And he says, you have to wait for the gift that my Father has promised to you. And the gift here refers to the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Holy Spirit to them personally. They were going to experience God's Spirit present with them personally in a way that they had never experienced before. Most of the people of that time thought about God being present in a physical place like the temple or maybe with some prophets, people chosen specially by God, very religious people who God was using particularly. But the idea that God would be present with everyone in their everyday life who believed in Jesus Christ was kind of out there. And Jesus is saying, no, you have to wait. The first thing to do now is to wait for the gift that the Father is going to give you. Imagine being in this kind of crazy time where you're a little bit afraid and you're a little bit excited about what's happening and have Jesus tell you, the first thing you need to do is wait, right? Maybe that wasn't the thing that you wanted him to say. Let's do something. Let's be leaders. Let's start ministries. Let's go out and tell people about Jesus. But Jesus doesn't tell them to do any of those things. He says, wait in the city until you receive the gift that God has in mind to give you. Maybe you're in this moment in uh, our lives together where you're sick of waiting, where you wish you could do something, where you feel a little bit trapped in the place where you are needing to stay right now. It can be really, really hard to wait for God to act when you're living in an in-between time. It can be really, really hard to wait when you are living in an in-between time. I understand that. Many other people feel that with you. The disciples no doubt felt this in this situation. Now, my mom likes to tell this story about me where I have trouble waiting. When I was, I don't know, some really young age, like two or three, she comes into the living room. I've got a screwdriver out. And I'm, uh, I think, unscrewing one of those cover plates for an electrical outlet, you know, typical toddler work. And so I'm unscrewing the plate, and I don't think anybody's watching me. And my mom comes around. She kind of looks at me. He's like, Mike, what are you doing? And, um, and I say, you know, don't worry about it. I got this. I'm, I'm doing some important electrical work here. Mom, you go to the other room. Leave me alone. I'm doing some important work here, you know. Uh, sometimes, and this has been true for me in my life, I struggle with this. I like to get going. I like to do something. I like to act. I like to lead. I like to move into the next thing. Waiting can be challenging for me. We get really excited about something, about doing something, but maybe we don't even totally know how to do it. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you're trying to explain to somebody how to do something, or maybe you need to lay out some details for them? You're training a coworker, you're teaching a child, you're passing on something that you know, and about halfway through the explanation, they just go, okay, I got it, I got it, let me, just let me do it, I got it. Uh, I know I've been in that spot myself. 
I think this is, uh, maybe this last week I was thinking you were trying to show someone how to, to use Zoom, and they got it real quick, and they didn't actually get it, right? So um, I think this is how the disciples felt, you know? They were like, okay, we got it already. We know what we're supposed to do. Now you want us to wait some more? Like, Jesus, go into the other room. We got this. But he's emphatic, and Luke wants us to understand. They weren't supposed to do anything until they received this gift that the Father intended to give them. This has been one of the most important Bible passages for me in my life over the last 10 years. And the reason is because it helps me remember that God is the leader of all of our lives. God is the leader of our churches. God is the leader of the world that we live in. Jesus is the king. Sometimes we think we know best how to do something, and we don't. Sometimes we think we know best how to fix the world, but we don't. Sometimes we think we know best how to live our lives or fix our lives, but we don't. We've proven this over and over and over again in human history. The gift that Jesus is describing here is that God will always be present with us through the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will lead us where it is that we need to go. But we have to accept that gift. And maybe right now in this moment, it's a season where we have to remember that the gift of the leading of the Holy Spirit is with us. Those of us who trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are promised the presence of the Holy Spirit. And aren't we hanging on to that right now? But we need to wait and look for the leadership of God and not result, not, not just lean back on our own understanding and our own best ideas. We need to do this especially because we're in an in-between time. The disciples do wait, and they do receive the gift after this passage that we just read in Acts 2. There's this crazy experience where the Holy Spirit comes on them, and they're able to speak different languages, and, and they're able to do things that they never would have been able to do on their own, and they never would have been able to plan out. There are three primary things that the Holy Spirit leads them to do, and I just want to go over each of them quickly so that they can help us in this in-between time that we're in. The first thing that the Spirit leads them to do after they receive it is to continue to meet and pray and worship. The disciples were constantly in prayer together. They were constantly worshiping God together, in part because they just enjoyed worshiping God together and they enjoyed being in God's presence together, but also because worship and prayer helped them stay in touch with the leadership of the Holy Spirit in their lives. It was out of prayer and worship that they sensed God leading them to start new churches. It was out of prayer and worship that they sensed God leading them to share their resources with people in need. It was out of prayer and worship that God helped them understand the good news about Jesus was for everyone in the world, not just Jewish people. It was out of prayer and worship that the disciples stayed connected to God in the in-between time. And maybe you've sensed this already. Maybe you've sensed how important it is right now for you to pray and to worship God. Maybe you've said more prayers in the last few weeks than you had in the previous months. I want to encourage you to keep leaning into this instinct. This is a draw from the Holy Spirit where you feel like you want to be more connected with God in an in-between time than less. I encourage you to find ways to pray with other people more in this time that we're in, not less. Talk to God about what you're feeling and experiencing. Ask God questions about why things are the way they are. Talk to God about what you're sad about, what you're missing out on, what you're disappointed about, what you're afraid of. God wants to hear those feelings that you have. 
and thank God for the ways you can tell God is with you in the midst of this hard time. Ask God if there are things that you could be doing to participate in the way that God is using this time. The second thing that the disciples were led by the Holy Spirit to do was to be a witness. That's the language that Luke uses in Acts. Jesus told the disciples that they would be witnesses to his story and to his good news to people all over the world. And one of the primary things that the disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit to do was tell the story of Jesus' life and death and resurrection and what that meant for people everywhere. I don't know about you, but I've been finding lots of people who want to talk about God right now. They're asking questions about where God is in the midst of this, about what difference does Jesus make in the midst of this. I've been getting texts from people I don't even stay in contact with or even knew that they believed in God telling me about where they see God present in their life or asking me questions about Jesus. I've had really good conversations with people who are skeptical about faith, who want to have a discussion about questions in this in-between time. So maybe the Holy Spirit is leading you to be a witness, to be a storyteller with other people in your life in ways that wouldn't be possible if we weren't in this in-between time. Are there people that the Holy Spirit is putting on your heart that come to your mind that you maybe haven't thought of in a long time that you could reach out to, send a text message to, people that you wouldn't otherwise be connected with? Is there a story that you could tell them about the difference that Jesus is making in your life in the midst of this? Pay attention to the ways that the Holy Spirit might be leading you to be a witness in your everyday lives. And the last point for the day is that the Holy Spirit led these disciples to be concerned for the poor. Throughout the book of Acts, the focus of the disciples, one of the foci of the disciples, was to figure out different ways to share resources with people in need. This ranged from sharing food, collecting money, sharing money, providing shelter, and even collecting money globally for the needs of the poor in Jerusalem. The disciples sensed that the Holy Spirit was leading them to do everything they could to care for those who are in need right now. They also realized that sometimes they were the ones in need and they needed to receive from the people around them the things that God wanted to provide to them. So how might the Holy Spirit be leading you to care for those in need right now? I've noticed, and you have too, that this uh, stay-at-home order makes some people experience really deep loneliness. I've been texting with some people who have to live by themselves right now and don't have a lot of contact with other people. They're feeling isolated in the midst of this quarantine. Could you reach out to those people in your life this week? People who maybe live by themselves and don't have a lot of connection with others and let them know that you're thinking of them and that you're praying for them and that God loves them. Maybe in the financial uh, sector, you have the ability to give or make a difference to it with an organization that is particularly trying to help, like the Sheridan story. Um, I heard a story with a call with a bunch of business owners last week of a salon owner whose customers started sending in prepaid uh, payments for their next visit because they knew that the person who's just a single person uh, business owner couldn't collect any revenue right now. So they started prepaying their next visit to try to help the business keep going. Are there ways that you can make a financial difference in someone's life this week? Uh, is there a way that you could deliver things to people who are stuck at home and can't get out to the grocery store? I know a lot of you have been doing that already. Um, is there a way that you can help lower anxiety for someone by just letting them know that you're with them, that God's peace is available to them, that God is still with us even in the midst of all of these 
uh, circumstances. And finally, is there one way that you need to receive help? Sometimes as Christians, we always assume that we're the ones giving the help, but maybe you're somebody who needs help and you're not great at asking for help. And you might be led by the Holy Spirit to let some other people help you or support you in this time. We are in an in-between time. Life is uncertain. But we have the gift of the Holy Spirit with us. And we have an opportunity to live into this in-between time by trusting God, praying and worshiping, sharing the story of Jesus, and being concerned about those in need. Our peace comes from knowing that no matter what happens, God is still with us. And God will lead us where we need to go. Let me pray. Holy Spirit, we affirm our trust in you. We know that you are with us. We know that you are leading us. In the midst of our own fears and anxieties and uncertainties, we pray that you would increase our faith. Help us to love you and listen to you and wait on you and take the opportunities that you provide to be part of the important work that you're doing in this in-between time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.